Within the evangelical reformed church throughout the Western world today, the question is often asked, why do we seem so powerless in the church? And why is there no outward blessing from God? Part of the answer is the lack of prayer. There's a strong biblical link between powerlessness and prayerlessness in the church. Recently, I've been preaching a series of expository sermons in First Peter, and I came across a very interesting phrase in chapter 3, verse 7, which says that your prayers be not hindered. Now, this phrase introduces us to the subject of prayer. And one of the thoughts that arises from this text is the assumption of prayer. The Apostle Peter here assumes that the Christian couple to whom he has made reference to in chapter 3, verses 1 through to 7, are individuals who are putting the Lord first in their lives, that they will pray. Here's one of the things that they will do in their devotional life together. They offer prayer. There is no such thing as a prayerless Christian. You cannot be a true Christian if you do not pray. Another truth that arises from a meditation on this subject is their access in prayer. Every true believer enjoys access to God in prayer. A true Christian can pray to God at any time, at any place, in all circumstances and situations. A true Christian knows that there's only one way of access to God in prayer, and that is through the person and work of Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 tells us, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We come to God, mentioning the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, and pleading the merits of his precious shed blood, with the assurance of getting an answer from God. Our access to God in prayer is therefore unique and unhindered when we come in the name of Christ, pleading the blood. Another truth that this phrase of scripture sets forth is the attack in prayer. Peter is a realist. Listen to what he says, that your prayers be not hindered. The word prayers here means a pouring out of one's heart. It speaks of intensity of desire. It speaks of a strong longing. The word hindered here means putting up a roadblock something that cuts into and impedes our progress regarding prayer. Literally, the road is being broken up in front of you. Now, what things did Peter have in mind when he said that your prayers be not hindered? He knew that they were things that hindered prayer. What things? Let me suggest, firstly, unpardoned sin hinders prayer. If you turn to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15 through to 18, God says, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Why not? God's response is, your hands are full of blood. His counsel is to wash and make clean, to put away the evil of your doings. Cease to do evil and learn to do good. Come now and let us reason together. Thus saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. In other words, get your sin problem dealt with before prayer can be answered. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now my question to you is this. 
Is your sin pardoned? Have you knelt before Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour? Have you cried out, God be merciful to me the sinner? You see today, many individuals pray. They make many prayers at church and at home, but they're never filled with a sense of their own sinfulness. Their sin has never become a felt reality. And because they have unpardoned sin in their life that they haven't faced up to, then God says he will not answer. This sin problem must be dealt with first. Another hindrance to prayer is unoffered prayer. Prayer unoffered can't be answered. James 4 and 2 states you have not because you ask not. The great F.B. Meyer in former days said, One of the greatest tragedies in the Christian life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Prayerlessness is a big problem. It is a sin. Samuel said, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for you. Imagine professing to be a Christian, claiming that you're saved, and that you never ever from the day that you have trusted Christ as Lord and Saviour, spoken to him as your Lord or cried out to him as redeemer, or talked to him as your friend. You've never asked for his help or counsel, or offered thankfulness at any time in your life. A third hindrance to prayer is unconfessed iniquity. The psalmist said in Psalm 66 verse 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. We can have our access to God hindered by not dealing with and confessing our own sinfulness. Every individual Christian who is saved by the grace of God needs to face up to the problem of his own individual sin. And in striving to be holy, he daily confesses that sin to God. He hates and loathes it. He turns from it. He cries out to the Lord for mercy. He's truly sorry for it. Now, is that true of you and me? Another hindrance to prayer is uninterested hearing. In Proverbs 28 verse 9, God says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Strong words indeed. Now think of a Christian who says he loves the Lord, but neglects his Bible. Sadly, some professing Christians have got a flippant and light-hearted disregard for the word of God today. They don't recognize their Bible for what it is, a God-breathed book. They forget that it's infallible, inerrant, authoritative and sufficient. Many are not daily reading their Bibles, nor regarding the words of the Lord in their lives. They've got a deliberate policy. They turn away their ear from hearing the law. Their heart is hard to what God is saying. They refuse to take it seriously and don't really care what God says. And this, of course, can be applied in a thousand and one areas, not only to the Lord's day, but in many other areas in the Christian life. A professing Christian disregarding his Bible is a very big problem in the church. And God says when he offers prayer, his prayer is an abomination. Another hindrance to prayer is unlawful idolatry. In Ezekiel chapter 14 verse 3, God is asking a question to men who have set up idols in their heart. And he tells them that because of their idolatry, which is in essence covetousness, that this is indeed a big hindrance to prayer. Christians having an inordinate affection for things has to be dealt with. Why? Because it's a hindrance to God hearing and answering prayer. As the hymn writer rightly said, 
the dearest idol I have known, whate'er that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. Another hindrance to prayer is unworthy hardening. In Proverbs 21 verse 13 we read, Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he shall cry himself and not be heard. If we are not bothered about poverty-stricken souls, then God says that when we cry to him for help in our distress and trouble, that he will not hear nor heed our cry. Isn't it so sad today that many of God's dear people are not interested in the poverty-stricken needs of individuals, or the plight of poor lost souls in inner cities or villages or towns throughout the country? And because we have stopped our ears at their cry, God has stopped his ears at our cry. Another hindrance to prayer is an unforgiving spirit. In Mark chapter 11, verse 25, verse 26, we read, And when ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Every true Christian who is forgiven of his sins will have a forgiving spirit. An unforgiving spirit is a great hindrance to prayer. Isn't it so easy to find fault today in the church, to find fault among members of the congregation, to find fault with the minister? And yet the reality is that once we begin to find fault and harbour a grudge and have a spirit of animosity or jealousy in our hearts, so often that type of spirit is a great barrier to prayer being heard by God and answered. A final hindrance to prayer is found in the words of James 4 and 3. You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you might consume it upon your loss. And having an unclean motive, of course, is a tremendous hindrance to prayer. If we think of ourselves being anxious for the blessing of God, we have to ask, why do we want God's blessing today? Why do we want revival Is it to see the pews filled up? Is it to see lost souls saved, new families added to the church? Or is it ultimately to the glory of God? Remember, the Lord says, My glory I will not give to another. And the Lord Jesus Christ taught us in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And the answer to our prayer has to be based on the hallowing of God's name, the advancement of Christ's kingdom on earth, and the implementation of his will. And any motive outside this is viewed in the eyes of the Lord as being unclean, and therefore becomes a great hindrance to prayer. Here's the subject of prayer, and it's bound up in these words, that your prayers be not hindered. It's assumed that the Christian will pray, We have access to God in prayer through the person and work of Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. True prayer is under attack today. It can be hindered, and hindered for these eight reasons that I have given you. I would encourage you therefore to look up these references in the Bible. Underline them. Learn and study them for yourself. And that we may begin to apply them in our lives. May the Lord deliver us from the spirit of prayerlessness and through prayer may we see the power of God return to our lives 
and the life of his church. Thank you for listening. May God richly bless you and your family at this time.